Bonjour! Coming up on this episode of East Screen West Screen. Kevin is back from Cannes. We look at the Asian winners from the Cannes Film Festival. And we cover the films Christmas Rose and Fast and Furious 6. This is East Screen West Screen with Paul and Kevin. Where if films were food, they'd be full of it. Welcome to another episode of East Screen, West Screen. This is the show where we talk about film from Hong Kong to Hollywood and lots of stuff in between. It is Tuesday, May 28th, 2013. As usual, I'm your host, Paul Fox, and joining me, as always, back from France, uh, from his secret location right here in the Fragan Harbor, is Mr. Kevin Ma. Bonsoir, Monsieur Paul. Uh, bonsoir, bonsoir. Ça va? How are you doing? Ça va. <laughs> have you, have you had bien. your full of fill of a... Cheese and wine and uh, croissants. You be um, okay. Well, no, wine is actually very expensive now. By the way, <laughs> is it? Yeah, I mean seriously, I had like like an eight dollar glass, like eight US dollar, no, eighty Hong Kong dollar glass, like eight euro glass of wine. So no, it's it's not cheaper than water, sir. Because Evian, Evian is like it's like each bottle of Evian is like one euro. Mm. You know, they, they it flows like crystal geyser, like in in France. <laughs> I was I was quite amazed. Um, uh, no, actually, the most I had a lot of carbs, mm. it's, you know, because apparently a lot of bread, and you know, it was kind of a, a, um, a trip where I had to be thrift, thrifty, so I ate a lot of bread. So uh, I can't imagine how much weight I've, I've gained from all that carb. Yes, well, you're you're back, and we're glad that you are back. Uh, Thank you. We are Thank go- you. we're going to be anxiously awaiting to hear some of the highlights of your trip in uh, just a moment. Um, but yeah, it's. Uh, it's your first time to get over there, right? I mean, it's my you, first time in Europe. Yes. Yeah. Europe. So, so did you uh, did you get over and, and meet any uh, European friends while you were there? I don't really have any friends. I mean, I mean, we have we have fans in and we have you know friends in Europe. The show is friends and and you know film wise, there are friends in Europe. But uh, no, I don't. I didn't really get because I don't really have you know friends friends like friend friends in uh in Paris or in Europe so uh, I didn't get to meet anyone I did, I did see a few people that we know a few common friends uh the kind of journalist friends uh film critic fan, friends that were in Cannes but uh yeah nothing not not, not too many familiar faces and so was it purely business while you were there did you actually get to get out and explore the city or or get away from the actual festival Oh no! I was there actually with well, my girlfriend. Uh, she has a she had a film in the uh, short film corner, which is the film the short film market section of the film market. So when we're not, we were kind of lazy. We kind of want to go there, and it's our first time in Cannes. So we averaged about two movies a day, uh, one morning screening and a night screening, and then in the middle we chill, we hang out, hung out at the beach, and we walk through the market a little bit, and then we did a little promotion for her film. Uh, so it was actually kind of relaxing for, for my first trip in, in Cannes. It wasn't really a work trip. Hmm. I, did go to a, I did go to a press conference with uh, Donnie for, for his uh, Iceman Cometh 
uh, remake. So I went to, so I saw Donnie and Wa Bao Chang and Evil Juan in a little press conference. So, I mean, what, what, what was the purpose of a press conference for him to say, yeah, I'm doing this remake. Look at my hair. <laughs> Pretty much. Uh, they, they showed off the new teaser, which um, because they haven't done the 3D effects yet. So they still had the wire and the crane and the men wearing green suits in the trailer, which oh, is really strange. That must have been funny. Yes, it was kind of funny. But the entire point is that, oh, you do like an event in Cannes and then you end up in uh, in Chinese press. And, you know, the, the announcement was that um, they, they secured a few deals around the world. They It's now officially a China movie, not a Hong Kong movie. So they said they had an official uh, distribution deal in Hong Kong and around Asia. And also it talked about shooting, the difficulty of shooting in Hong Kong, which is very strange because the PR um, script made a point to say that it was much easier to shoot in China uh, as opposed to Hong Kong because the government didn't cooperate with their shoot. Uh, I thought that was an interesting message. But mm. yeah, but that was the most really the work thing I did. Everywhere else, um, when I saw stars, it was at the premieres and uh, Tony Learn passed by me and I saw, you know, Andy Lau and Sammy Chan and, 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 and Jiang Ziyi. So yeah, it was kind of fun for me. I, I know it would never be this fun again. So I kind of cherished my time there. Did you uh, like uh, go hang out afterwards with uh, Andy Lau and say, hey, "Oh, Andy, you know, uh, and- let's have some wine and cheese." Nah, Andy's tired of seeing me. He doesn't need to see me. <laughs> we hang out a time. All right. Well, we are going to talk more about cons and some other things, some films as well on this episode. Now that you're back, uh, we do have a couple films to talk about. You've managed to actually get out and see uh, one of the two films we're going to talk about this week. And what are those films? The films for East Screen, it is uh, Christmas Rose, the directorial debut of actress Charlie Young. And for West Screen, we'll be talking about Room, Fast and Furious 6. All right. All of that and much more coming up after a little bit of news. All right. So because Kevin's just back, we don't really have uh, any deep news stories to get into. We'll, we'll save that for next week. But... uh. We do have a little bit more from Kevin uh, with cons. Uh, so you're, you had a film that, your, at least your girlfriend had a film uh, that was there. I mean, was she entered in the festival or was she just trying to shop it around or, or how did that go? Well, the short film corner is actually a section that um, allows short filmmakers to, if they pay the registration fee, the film will be on the catalog and uh, you're given two badges uh, for the director and for a crew member of your choice. I wasn't a crew member <laughs> But I got to go anyway, uh, thanks to that. But the idea is that, yes, you hang out in the a, a specific section in the film market and you post uh, postcards. You can set up a book, a screening room to screen your film because there'll be a lot of uh, buyers, uh, short film buyers, uh, some festival programmers and people like that who are hanging around looking for short films. So it's a very important short film market. So it wasn't really a com- competition uh, section or anything like that. Um, essentially, it was just a because Hong Kong Art Center, uh, Hong Kong's Art Center, they have a program where if you take your short film, you register it, and you um, take it elsewhere to a festival or to somewhere like Cannes, they will compensate you uh, because uh, with Hong Kong government money. So thanks to that, they've supported quite a few Hong Kong filmmakers uh, to go to th- things like these to look at the world and try to shop their film around. And that's really was the reason why we got to go because of this program. Hmm. So it was more of a an experience really than a than a, a competition or or trying to uh to make financial connections right yeah uh, i mean she ended up securing uh possibly a, a few festival deals and 
uh, one distribution deal, a very small distribution deal. But in the end, because the film is so old and, and she's actually more concentrated on, on working on the next film, that for us, it was more like, well, go to con and then we'll watch films. And then in the middle, we'll do something to push the film because we have to, yeah, we'll take a few pictures and, and, and do a report. And I got to walk around the film market for... You know, for my own work obligation, uh, take some flyers, talk to a few people about films. But yeah, mostly it was kind of relaxing, exploratory kind of thing. All right. Well, did anybody like uh, jump out of the crowd and say, <laughs> When I was stuck in the rain, I wanted to, to it was. Because uh, Khan is very well known for either um, during the film festival time, either having very good weather or very terrible weather. So there was one day, uh, the third day we were there, it, went, it was literally raining from morning to night. And I was like wet and my shoes are wet and we can't find a place to eat because everyone is, is eating near the festival. So I, I was, my shoes were wet and I'm soaked and I'm like, yeah, I wanted to scream in the middle of the street. Khan! Hmm. Khan! <laughs> well, maybe but, next year. I mean, <laughs> All right. Well, uh, because this is a, an actual festival, you do have some winners uh, to announce for us, right? Yes, yes. I um, And thankfully, a lot of the winners I actually saw at the festival, got to see. Um, so, uh, the Palm, so while the Palme d'Or and the second prize Grand Prix uh, prizes went to um, uh, the French film Blue is the Warmest Color and the Coen Brothers, uh, Inside Lou and Davis, uh, respectively, those are Western films, Asian films did get a few... Um, Winners this year at the Cannes Film Festival. Um, one of them, Jia uh, Zhangke's A Touch of Sin, um, a, a anthology film about four tales of violence in, uh, in modern China. That won Best Screenplay. Uh, and I actually got to see the film at the, the, the premiere uh, that night. And um, I was quite surprised it won because of the reaction it got. It was a very mixed reaction among the, the audience. Um, Meanwhile, best uh, the third place um, jury prize uh, went to Hirokazu Koreeda's um, "Like Father, Like Son." I also got to see that film, uh, which I think is well deserved. It's a it's a very touching film, very heartwarming film. Um, it's a family film. Uh, I think this year the, the among the films I saw, the family melodramas uh, were particularly the the, the strongest, uh, and that includes Asghar Farhadi's um, "The Past." which uh, won Best Actress for Berenice uh, Beho. That's the actress who was in The Artist. Um, the third Asian winner is the uh, Camera Door Prize, uh, which goes to a the best debut film uh, that was shown in any of these um, festival sections, including Director's Fortnite. So a film from the Director's Fortnite called Ilo Ilo from Singapore uh, won that prize. Um, and I think both... Um, the Korea film, like Father, like Son, and and Ilo Ilo already have Hong Kong distribution deals, so we'll definitely be seeing them uh, sometime. And I'm pretty sure Jajang Ke films uh, they usually get distribution here in Hong Kong, but um, no one has come out to 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 announce that they have the Hong Kong distribution distribution deal. But um, so we'll be seeing all three of these Asian winners uh, hopefully down down the road sometime. Um, films that did not win, Asian films that did not win that I did see. Um, Blind Detective, starring uh, the Johnny Toe film, which was uh, screened out of competition at midnight. Uh, so that wasn't eligible for any prizes. Um, 
we can talk about that when it comes out on July 4th, but I think um, people who are expecting a crime film will be very, very surprised by what it is, actually. Uh, I'm not sure pleasantly or unpleasantly, but it, they'll be very surprised by what it is. Um, and I saw Ben's, uh, the, the art drama, artsy drama, uh, directed by first-time filmmaker Flora Lau, uh, featuring cinematography by Christopher, Christopher Doyle and starring Karina Lau and Alice Chan. I think um, that film also will get distribution here in Hong Kong uh, during the summer. So uh, I'll be writing a review for that film for Love Hong Kong Film. So um, there will be plenty of chances to talk about those films as well later on. All right. Um, so it sounds like there's some stuff to look forward to. Now, in, in the grand scope of the, uh, of the festival, would you say that you got to see only a handful of films or did you get to see, you know, uh, well, what's the ratio here for somebody who's never been? Mm, definitely only... Definitely, only a handful because um, the way that can is run is that they're very strict on the idea of hierarchy. And my pass was kind of a lower level pass, you know, because I'm only in a short film corner. I'm just some kid with a short film, so I'm not really that eligible to be um, to be to be going to these big screenings. Mm -hmm. The way it works is that um, depending on the batch you have, you're given a time that you can register for ticket. Um, and that's for all the big screenings of all the big films uh, in the big cinema, which is the Grand, the Grand Lumiere, which is uh, where they show all the competition films. Um, so, but for for first few days, it was fairly easy for me to get the uh, daytime showings because they show a film uh, about two two or three times over one day. Um, and the show at night is the one with the red carpet. That's all the stars, and that's the hardest to get into. And that's also the one that... Um, that cost the most points. Each batch has a certain amount of points. And if you want to see a big screening, a night screening, then it, they will take away a lot of points. And you watch a daytime screening, it will take less points. Um, so for, for the first two, three days, I was able to get into the daytime screenings with my, my batch. But when the weekend came, um, which means a lot of the big shots started arriving, and they wanted to see the bigger films, uh, especially the competition films. So it was very hard for me to get into. So I couldn't get into the Koreeda film. Uh, in the big theater, I couldn't get into the Coen Brother film, and um, and I want to see an Indian film as well, and that, those tickets were gone very quickly as well. Um, but well, what's up with that? Aren't the French like socialist or something? Shouldn't they be like fair and equal for everybody? No, that's that's the thing about the uh, when it comes to the Cannes Film Festival. There's thirty, I think forty thousand people trying to get two thousand seats for each screening. Um, and when it's a competition film, that means the competition is uh, is going to be sorry, no pun intended. The competition for tickets, it's going to be very tough, especially when everyone wants to see the Coen Brother films. Uh, everyone wants to see the Korea film. Um, so I was actually, thanks to my experience at the Hong Kong International Film Festival, when it came to screenings that um, that you didn't need tickets for, that totally required uh, you to just line up in time, I, I got very lucky. So I went to um, Ben's, uh, the, the Floor Lao film, that was in the Uncertain Regards section, and you can't buy tickets for that, unless you're, you're like one of the few people who have real invitation. Mm. So you just have to show up like an hour and a half ahead of time and just line up, and then you get in. Um, and that's because, you know, I usually line up very early for films here at film festivals. So that totally, that kind of experience and that kind of readiness helped me there. And uh, also each, each, fest, uh, each competition film gets a day after screening in a smaller venue elsewhere the next day. So uh, when it came to watching Like Father, Like Son, I also showed up very early, about an hour and a half early again, 
Um, and I was very much in front of the line, and I got a very nice seat. So um, if, if you're really willing to, if you're really dedicated to watching a film, you, you will find a way to see it, but because, uh, because of the scheduling and the hierarchy um, and all that stuff out, and of course, me being with my girlfriend means that you know I can't just run around and watch films all the time. Um, I was able to only average about two films a day, but um, and I was only there for the first five days of the festival, so I missed a lot of the bigger titles later on. Um, but anyone who's really, really dedicated to watching a film and they they can they can schedule it better, they can probably watch about three four films a day. Hmm. Interesting. So the the screening you were at for um, Blind Detective were there were there any of the other like the you know was Andy there? Were any of the celebrities uh, Hong Kong celebrities watching that? That was the big that was the big uh, midnight uh, premiere. So so uh, of course Johnny Toe, Andy Lau, Sammy Chang, um, they showed up. Uh, they walked the red carpet. They came in. Everyone gave them a standing ovation. Uh, and of course, uh, there were a lot of Hong Kong people. I saw um, the one I spotted who walked the red carpet was Winnie Zhang, the the head of Golden Scene here in Hong Kong. Golden Scene is a very major film company. They distributed they distributed um, Bulgaria and they do a lot of art house films here. Uh, they were very they're always active at the market. So I definitely saw her. Um, I saw Jia Zhang Ke. Um, because Jiang Ke, well, his film Touch of Sin is in a competition, and um, his next film will also be produced by Johnny Toe, so of course he went. Uh, and essentially, I think all the film professionals uh, from Hong Kong probably lined up because uh, there were a couple of Hong Kong film people with that line that were in, behind me in line. Hmm. So, yeah, that was a very big draw for the Hong Kong film people there. Um, but it wasn't as full as the other screenings because, well, the screening wasn't until 1240 in the morning. Yeah, I can imagine. Yeah, I, I wouldn't want to stay out that late, even for yeah. Johnny Toe. <laughs> yeah, but there were, but it was very enthusiastic, you know, because um, there was the Can logo, everyone applauded, everyone applauded the Media Asia logo, a few people applauded the China Film Group logo, and of course, when the Milky Way logo came out, everyone just erupted in applause. It was that kind of, that kind of excitement you don't even see in Hong Kong, I think. Yeah. So it's a very interesting atmosphere. That's for sure. Um, oh, that that's, uh, that sounds interesting. Uh, any any advice or recommendations for? Uh, people who might consider going to cons, you know, just as a festival goer in the future. Well, the thing is, because the the, the film film festival isn't open to the public, so um, and and there are a lot of people who try to score tickets because um, it's kind of like outside a basketball game or it's like a sports game where people are holding let uh, a paper asking, oh, I need an invitation to this film, I need an invitation with this film. Um, but actually, the festival itself isn't open to the public, so you can't really get tickets. So everyone there is a professional. Um, so unless you're a film critic, um, it's very difficult to schedule your film fest, your, your can experience in a way where you can watch films every day. Um, but I would say if you're kind of, if you know that you're lower in the hierarchy of the badge, definitely allow yourself about hour and a half before each film to line up. That's including, even if you have a ticket to the grand Lumiere tickets, um, for every film, definitely allow yourself some time to line up because People will want to see films, and they are willing to line up for that long of a time, including myself and a lot of people who really want to see these films. So I think, um, yeah, I think schedule your day. Uh, schedule your day well, um, and you'll get to see everything you want to see. All right. Good advice from Kevin in Cannes. Yes. Actually, Kevin's in Hong Kong now. So. <laughs> uh, all right. We'll be covering some more of those films as they make their way to Hong Kong. I think we're getting a Blind Detective Pretty July soon, 4th. Right? Yeah. July 4th. And apparently uh, Ben's will come out late August. Um, a Touch of Sin will probably come eventually. We'll talk about some of the Asian films as okay. well. Yeah. 
I'm going to miss that. I'll be, uh, I'll be stateside when that comes out. Dang it. Oh, maybe they'll have an advanced screening the weekend before. All right. Uh, but we'll be talking about those once they do decide to start uh, rolling around. For now, let us move on and talk about some of our films for this week. All right, we have one East Screen film to talk about this week. Uh, that is, I have a film to talk about because uh, Kevin hasn't gotten a chance to see this yet, and he might be <laughs> counting his blessings. Uh, maybe not, depending on who he's talked to in our oh, film you know. circles. You know I see everything. Yeah. I see. Uh, and that is the film Christmas Rose from um, neophyte director, uh, actress-turned-director, uh, Charlie Young, uh, who you, those of you who know Hong Kong film might know her from uh, movies such as Task Force or um, Jackie Chan's new police story. Right? Yo, Choi Hark's Butterfly Lovers. Yeah, Choi Hark's Butterfly Lovers. There you go. Um, definitely one of her better roles, I would say. So uh, she's taking on the directing helm, and she does not actually appear in the film, which I was a little bit surprised at, because, you know, sometimes new directors, actors, turn directors will uh, throw themselves in in the film at some point. She does not do that here. Um, that's not really a spoiler. It's just uh, something that kind of surprised me. I expected her to show up at, at a certain point. She does not. The film does star Aaron Kwok playing a... Uh, young uh, go-getting, uh, sort of young go-getter lawyer. Um, he starts out as a um, as a defense attorney with a with a law firm, and he decides that uh, he's not really enjoying what he's doing. And in fact, his boss doesn't really like uh, his performance because he's very particular about the cases that he will take. He won't take any case. He only takes cases that he believes in. And so this kind of rubs his boss the wrong way, and he ends up leaving the firm and going over to the other side of the uh, of the courtroom to become a prosecutor, uh, feeling that he can you know do more in the cause of justice uh, by becoming a prosecutor. So the first case that comes across his desk as a new prosecutor is the case of a young woman named Jane Lee, a woman who's uh, in a wheelchair, played by Guilin May. And uh, she is claiming that she was uh, basically sexually molested by her doctor, a man named Winston Zhao, who's played by actor Chang Chen. And so this, is, this sets up the basis for the case. It becomes um, sort of a procedural uh, on a he said, she said kind of basis with people, you know, both sides trying to argue the points and digging into the background of these two characters, Jane Lee and, and Winston Zhao. And as with many courtroom dramas, um, you know, it kind of goes in sort of a ba this back-and-forth manner, and you can expect some kind of a reveal at the end, which ultimately does kind of show up, and that's when the film, unfortunately, kind of falls apart. Before it gets there, though, it's kind of, a, it's kind of, a, uh, of an interesting story. Um, at the center of the story, it really gets into the nature of relationships with fathers, um, because you've got Aaron's character, Tim Chen, who has a very uneasy relationship with his father, uh, who is in the hospital and who's dying. I, I think he's dying from some kind of cancer. Um, and he has a, he's got this issue that came up between him and his father in the past, and so they've got this very sort of strained relationship. Um, as a result, his father was also um, a sort of a big-shot lawyer back in the day. And now... Tim starts to see some of himself uh, in some of the things that he's having to do, some of the 
the, the positions he has to take now as an attorney, which he may not always agree with, you know, according to his own morality. Does he go for the truth or does he go for winning the case? And is the truth always the truth um, as it's sort of shown? That's when, when the film is exploring these issues, that's when it's really, um, really the most interesting. And so I can say that as a, from a directorial standpoint, I think that as a new director, um, Charlie Young does okay. Um, we had some pretty interesting discussion after the film, and it was basically commented upon with all the actors in this film and some of the cameos that are present. And I think even Christopher Doyle is the uh, cinematographer, if I remember correctly. Um, they were saying that uh, Charlie Young called in a lot of favors um, <laughs> and that uh, she may have sort of spent her, you know, her, her, uh, her IOUs all up on this uh, this particular outing, but um, I didn't think it was all that bad. It's certainly not a great film uh, by any standards, but again, as a sort of first outing, it's not not terrible either. Um, technically, there is some shaky cam in some places that got a little bit annoying. So I, I'm, I don't think it was Christopher Doyle. I'm thinking of another movie. Someone now. else. Yeah. yeah, Christopher Doyle did American Dreams in China. That that's the movie. Yeah, that's what that's the last one I saw before this one. That's what I was thinking of. Um, yeah, because the, the, there's some shaky cam scenes in this that's definitely not his style that, I, that I'm thinking of now. And, and those points were really, really annoying. It was kind of like they were trying to, to copy like the style of the, of the Office or Battlestar Galactica or something. And it just got really, um, it was really very making me almost nauseous at a couple points. It was more like a Cloverfield or something. Um, but, you know, the thing about this is, is that... If you watch a lot of courtroom dramas, whether on movies or on TV, you've kind of seen all of this before, you know, in p bits and pieces in other places. And this whole thing would have been wrapped up in 45 minutes on a show like uh, Boston Legal or Law and & Order. And it might have been much tighter and much cleaner uh, in doing so. And if I can quote Kozo... Uh, who commented, uh, you know, from lovehkfilm.com, he said at one point, uh, this film had too much order and not enough law, <laughs> uh, was his basic, his basic sort of law and order joke that he threw out there. And I kind of agree with that, um, because some of, the, some of the proceedings that they get into, I don't see how you could get away with in an actual court. <laughs> um, and it got to the point where it was, it was very, some of the, some of the stuff they were saying was very, circumstantial there's there's a point when at one point uh something happens and basically at that point uh, any judge would say okay this trial is done <laughs> right but then no it just goes on and on and on and on um so again i don't really want to spoil it because i think some people will get out there and watch this uh and i think it's okay you know if you if you can deal with courtroom dramas this is not a terrible film um to, to sit through um, but again, the back and forth should have remained the focus, and that's when the film is best, especially when there's a lot of uncertainty about both of these characters, uh, Jane Lee on sort of the defense side, or, or the prosecution side, and um, Winston Chow, Cheng Chen, as, uh, as the um, defendant. And it, that's when the film's really best, because... You, you start to uncover bits and pieces about these characters, and you're not sure who's really telling the truth here and what the motivations are. And so it does a really nice job of building up to this. It just 
falls off a cliff uh, once it gets to the sort of the last act. Um, but, uh, you know, the father issues here, again, they're kind of interesting. So as I mentioned, you've got Aaron's issue with his father. Guilin Mei has a father issue. And Chang Chen is a father himself of, of a young girl. And he's dealing with um, the, this, this courtroom and, and the media exposure kind of affecting his marriage. And also the fact that he has to spend time in jail now while the court proceeding is going on. And so he's separated from, a, you know, a, a very young daughter. And they kind of touch on that relationship uh, a little bit as well. Um, so, yeah, if you're not really into courtroom dramas, you'll probably find this rather dull. But um, if you're somebody who watches a lot of Law & Order, uh, Boston Legal, or shows like that, you'll probably see a lot of problems in it, but you still might find it somewhat entertaining. Um, how, are the, how's the, how are the actors overall? The actors were fine, and, you know, I'm not a big fan of Aaron um, Kwok, but I thought in this case um, he was very capable, and I was kind of into, um, you know, the, the character he was presenting here. Um, Guilin May came across as kind of weird, which is, you know, na the nature of her role. And Chang Chen was very kind of stoic. Um, and, and again, it's to kind of keep you guessing, but you've also got, um, you've got, um, uh, Teresa Lee here. Um, again, we saw her a couple, uh, a couple months, weeks ago in, um, Finding Mr. Right. Yeah. Uh, Finding Mr. Right. So she's, she's got an actually a bigger role here than she had in that. Um, she's sort of the men mentor and friend of uh, Guilin Mei. Uh, Liu Kai-chi is here. He's got a really interesting role. He's sort of like the uh, information getter or <laughs> the assistant for Aaron's character. And so, you know, they, they've, they work well together. I mean, they were in the, you know, the detective. Yeah. And they, they can have a good chemistry together. And I think that came across here a as well. There, there, there There's a couple weird moments where th you think things are playing out in, in a certain way and then they don't really pan out that way and I don't know if those are kind of thrown in as a misdirection uh, or not but um yeah it, it, the, the characters themselves were interesting enough to keep me you know kind of going along there's just a they, they just kind of throw this thing in at the last minute which as the reveal which kind of makes you go what what uh, you know, why, why is, why is this now happening? Um, if they would have just kept it going as sort of the ambiguous and the ambiguity of the truth and perspectives and a little bit more of a Rashomon kind of a thing, uh, I think it might've been a more interesting way to play out. Um, also, yeah, they, they did need a little bit more legal advice on, on going through with this rather than keeping it overly dramatic, I think. Um, but yeah, the one thing that's missing, I would say that, uh, you know, Aaron needs to do is he needs to take a book out of the, uh, Phoenix Wright school of lawyering and just, <laughs> you know, stand up and say, Objection! yeah, so there you have it. I'd say that if you're an Aaron fan, um, or a Gwynlin May fan or a Chang Chen fan, uh, you know, this is probably a TV it and, uh, or if you're somebody who likes courtroom procedurals, you, you this is passable. If not, yeah, you might just give this one a pass. But uh, overall, I liked it. I tend to like uh, courtroom dramas, and I liked the characters here. Didn't fully live up to my expectations, but if Charlie Young keeps plugging away, I think she's got some potential. So, yeah, dude, I just saw the I just saw the Phoenix Wright movie uh, live action movie last month. So, are you telling me that how no did you, one? How did you see that? I've been waiting to see that. 
I have a Taiwan DVD which only has Chinese subtitles. No. But you you mean no one you know no one pops out a big computer screen and start pointing and, and scream at each other and say objection over and over again? No, no, it's it's a it's they they do they do come up and and object, but nowhere near vigorously enough that they as they need to. Damn it! Yeah. Objection. Objection indeed. <laughs> Objection indeed. Objection. All right. So let us uh, move on for our West Screen film. East Screen, West Screen. All right. So West Screen, and we are back for another summer racing action blockbuster with lots of stars and celebrities for a sixth time in a row. And that is with Fast and Furious 6. Seems like just yesterday we were talking about Fast and Furious 5. And it wasn't just yesterday, but it was, I think it was last year, right? Two years ago, I two, think. Two years ago, was it that It was two years ago, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so here we are again with Fast and Furious 6. So Kevin, I will let you do the honors and take us down this long and winding road. Okay, so to, to understand Fast 5, uh, you should probably watch, uh, or Fast 6, I mean. You should probably understand, watch the... A post-credit scene in Fast Five, but don't worry if you didn't watch it; they'll repeat it for you here, um, along with a lot of other scenes from Fast previous One films. and Two and Three and Four and Five. Well, I'm not going to tell which ones matter, but <laughs> yes, the openings, the uh, the credit sequence does uh, tell remind you that this is a franchise film. This is not like a uh, Friday at 13 film where you can just sort of join in in the middle, but um. But seriously, it's actually quite easy to understand. The idea is that, yes, um, from, from the Fast and Furious movies, in 5, they kind of switched, reinvented themselves and became a, um, a heist film. So now the, the whole idea is that there are these professional criminals uh, led by Dominic Toretto, played by uh, Vin Diesel, and uh, also a post uh, or a former cop, a uh, former cop named um, Brian O'Connor, uh, who you remember uh, in the first film was undercover, and then he was in uh, undercover again in the second film, and then he turned into a criminal at the end of the fourth film, and then he's remained criminal ever since. Uh, so those two guys lead kind of a team. Uh, after the events in Fast Five, they, the entire team has sort of spread out around the world. Uh, uh, Dominic is now in, in Spain with his uh, Brazilian cop girlfriend. Uh, that's from the last film as well. Uh, Paul Brian O'Connor, uh, now a father, um, uh, married to uh, Mia, uh, Dominic's younger sister, also in Spain, hang out, you know, drink Corona, things like that. <laughs> uh, meanwhile, the rest of the crew, um, including uh, Roman uh, Pierce, played by Therese, Therese Gibson, who was originally in the second film, if you remember. Uh, he's, he's, of course, a um, womanizer and, and traveling around the world. And, you know, he's going cool. to Macau in his own jet. Yeah, going to Macau in his own jet. <laughs> Um, meanwhile, uh, who else? Ludacris, uh, rapper Ludacris plays kind of a techie. Um, and, you know, he's also from the second film, kind of hanging around. Um, Han from the third film, played by Sung Kan, um, now is still with uh, another member of the crew, Giselle. They're former Mossad agent. I'm reading Wiki here. A former Mossad agent turned professional criminal. I'm not sure which film she's from. Probably third film, maybe. No, I think fourth she's film? from the fourth, fourth? film, yeah. Because the third film is is the is the oh, yeah it takes place the one after that comes after these films yeah all yeah. these films yeah so this is all prequel to three yeah so uh, so still the, the two is still a, a couple they're hanging around the world they're traveling the world hasn't settled down uh, and the two the two uh, gamblers at the end of the fifth film they sort of dis- disappeared 
they're nowhere to be found. Don't know where they went. Who cares? But yes, the setup for the film is that um, uh, Luke Hobbs, played by The Rock, or Dwayne Johnson, as he's now called, um, he's now going after a different crew of professional thieves, um, led by uh, a very dangerous terrorist named Shaw, Owen Shaw, played by Luke Evans. And uh, unlike unlike the Toretto gang, who are just you know trying to get money, who are just trying to steal money, these guys are actually stealing weapons and chips to to produce a weapon that they can sell and that could kill millions and millions and millions of people. So The Rock decides to, uh, as like a lesser evil kind of thing, uh, goes and finds Dominic and um, offers him a deal that um, if uh, Toretto's crew help The Rock or Hobbs catch, catch the terrorists, then, uh, then Hobbs will help him find uh, Letty. Letty Ortiz, who apparently died in the fourth film, but actually is still alive. She's played by Michelle Rodriguez. Spoiler! Uh, <laughs> actually, if you haven't seen the... That's only if you haven't seen the fifth film. <laughs> <laughs> oh, she's in the fourth... I wish she died in the fourth film. She did. Yeah, she died in the fourth film. Right, but if, if people haven't seen the fifth film, they don't know she's alive. <laughs> yeah, but it's all in the trailers. <laughs> It's in the trailer. She's alive, but we're not gonna. I'm not gonna say why or what she's doing, but she's alive. Okay, please. You know, she's like she's like Jason Friday for Thirteenth. These characters, you think they're dead, but they're not, and somehow they manage to, you know, stay alive. You know, and totally undo the 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 logic from the previous films, whatever. But anyway, now now, so this 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 movie's heist is um, Toretto's crew has to stop another gang of thieves. From um, stealing something much more dangerous, and you know that means working with the cops, and that's essentially the trick, or that's the um, the challenge, I suppose. It's a very thin plot, uh, clearly even thinner than the fifth film. Um, it feels like after the reinvention, they they literally reinvented the the whole direction of the franchise in the fifth film, so it felt kind of fresh, you know, trying to change up the franchise uh, from a from a criminal, uh, a crime drama or a crime action film to to uh to a heist film uh, i thought fifth was actually very good for what it was uh considering that i hated the first film uh all those years back uh and to 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 impress me so much or to be so impressed with the fifth film i thought it was quite good but in sixth film it, it felt like they were back on autopilot because you know it's it feels like another episode there's a tv show there's kind of like the mid-season episode um or a a, a mid-season break finale Maybe at the most, but uh, I'm quite I'm quite impressed with the attention the writer uh, Chris Morgan uh, paid to to the chronological order of series. You know they they very much refer back to the previous films, um, the events of previous films, and and um, and it's very much played in that structure in a way that they don't really quite undo everything that's happened before in a way that everything's happened before kind of affects this film, but you know not in a drastic manner, but it does. Uh, so I'm quite quite. Um, impressed by the way they they did it. Uh, however, the challenge and the villain is actually weaker than the previous film. Um, it, yes, it's two gangs kind of quote unquote outwitting each other, but it, it's really more like a cat and mouse, and you know much more attention paid to the chase than the the heist. Um, I thought the heist in the previous one was, you know, the dragging the the vault down Rio and you know the exotic locations and the the train scene. Um, I thought. The previous one was better in terms of designing these things. Uh, the action here is also dumber, more ridiculous. Uh, you have the tank thing and the, the tank highway scene, uh, and also the big runway scene. All these are shot in the. All these can be seen in the trailer. Um, 
I think the action is not as well paced as the previous film. I thought the fifth film has a had a really impressive um, train sequence in the opening uh, first half hour, and then it kind of kept going. You know, they it, it didn't sort of um, one up itself in a way. It it gave you a really impressive one, and then it went down a little bit, and then another impressive sequence, and then it ends with that you know whopper of a of a chase in the end. Here it it feels like they were just kind of taking it easy until the really big finale at the end of the, in the, in, with the airplane. Um, so it, it didn't felt, it didn't feel like it was quite as well paced as the previous film. In the middle, it felt kind of slow when they were trying to develop the plot or try to take the story to where it was supposed to go. Uh, I'm still surprised at how well uh, Justin Lin directed the action sequence, considering that his background is actually a film school and, you know, his, his first effort was a, indie drama uh, better luck tomorrow and then he always sort of just got kind of thrust into this action franchise but i guess by the time he's doing the this is fourth film of the franchise right because he started in the third film yeah and it did four or five yeah so considering it's his fourth film he, he i guess he he now has kind of um he's kind of getting used to doing these big action films um and and it shows it's, it's quite impressive um he has to be a fan of hong kong films just from the action and the total illogical, total lack of physics, um, to even the post-production schedule. The apparent, according to Wikipedia or IMDb, he had to do about two years for post-production in eight weeks' time. So, uh, from you know, the design of the action sequence and uh, and and even to the production itself, it totally felt like a Hong Kong film in a way, in that kind of wild, uh, uncont- uh, really out of control way. Uh, so it was inter- interesting to see. Um, this Asian American director doing this big Hollywood film kind of in a Hong Kong way, uh, in the kind of a Hong Kong, uh, do everything quickly and, and just get it done with kind of way. Um, and that kind of wild, blah, blah, whatever. Right. Um, it's too bad that not all the, not all the crew came back. Like I said, in the plot description, the two guys that the, the two guys who were at the casino at the end of the last film, I forgot what they did in the fifth film already. And you know, it doesn't really matter, but, um, it's too bad that they did not, not the entire crew came back. Um, um, but you know there are a lot of the 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 chemistry between the existing crew is still very good. Tyrese Gibson uh, offering and uh, Ludacris offering a lot of the humor. Um, of course, there's Vin. Vin, I, I can't get in my voice that that low. Uh, Paul Walker continues to be a a blonde a poor blonde substitute for Keanu Reeves. <laughs> and honestly, I think this the the I don't really, we don't really need him for the franchise. I think when you have Vin and the the comic relief guys uh, in the middle, Paul, Paul Walker's character is kind of like, well, what's he doing here? You know, even his whole former cop thing isn't really that interesting anymore. I think because uh, in the first four films, you have his whole like, I'm between the law, I'm on both sides of the law kind of thing. Here is he's like, him and Vin are just like brothers now, so it's really not that interesting anymore. Um, but of course, uh, Sun Kang who plays uh, Han, still very very cool. I'm very happy that the Asian American character is the cool guy of the crew uh next to vin um so i was impressed uh poor brazilian cop like i said uh because the michelle varigas character plays such a huge role and uh her character was was um vin vin diesel's love interest in the first in the first film so clearly the brazilian cop from the past film previous film gets kind of left out here so yeah that character i felt kind of sorry for that character also not enough vin diesel rock bromance because if you remember in the fifth film, they have an entire fight, which kind of is like the bromance version of a sex scene. Um, and there was clearly a lack of that bromance here. Remind me never to fight with you. 
I'm just saying. <laughs> the, the whole thing where they're like throwing each other like at walls and shit. I mean, I'm oh, sorry. Just... <laughs> You're clearly very passionate about this. It was so awesome. The Vin Rock bromance really kind of marked a new new relationship in the franchise. And I was really disappointed they didn't do anything until the end of the film, you know, where they kind of faced off it. You know? <laughs> where they were both walking uncomfortably with their arms on the side. It was they were like twins, but you know, it, it's kind of fun watching these two really manly men have this bromance. It really amused me greatly. Um it, it's um, I'm also very dis- uh, the cliffhanger at the end, the end of the cliffhanger, just like the fourth and the fourth film, um, is very intriguing because the seventh film was already greenlit before they even shot the sixth film, so they know they were going to do two films. Um, if you know the chronological order of series, uh, you'll find out at the end why I was very disappointed uh, when 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 it told me where it was going. Um, I also know that Justin Lin isn't coming back for the seventh film, and uh, also the co-director of Saul is going to take over the franchise, which is another reason why I, I'm not quite looking forward to Fast 7. But still, Fast 6, um, fun for what it is. It's not the best of the series. I think 5th is still the best film. Um, but it is uh, just maybe the sec- my second favorite film of the franchise because, honestly, 3rd was a interesting direction to take to bring Vin back. And, and uh, unfortunately, they kind of wrote themselves into a wall with that one. Um with the third film uh but you know the fourth film was interesting comeback it was kind of an interesting turn and direction bring back vin and continuing the story where it left off um and fifth was a great great action film so here's not the series best and but six is a is a is a continue is a good in, good continuation of what they started with the fifth film um and as stupid as dumb and as you know illogical and senseless as it is um it is a fun popcorn action flick, and it's a solid three out of five stars. So um, I would say see, a solid see it only if you're in a cinema with very good sound on a big screen. Uh, otherwise, you know, it's, it's like a cheap TV film. Uh, it's not really a great film, but, you know, it is a good theatrical experience. Paul? Yeah, I, I think I agree with you on quite a lot of your points. I do agree that the fifth film is, for me, probably the strongest of the series so far. And this one, not quite so much, but I think it'd probably be in a good second place. Um, I, I do like the original, and I they kind of go down from there, the second one, because it didn't have Vin Diesel. Um, I didn't really care for that much, though I did like, um, you know, I, I did like uh, the um, the Roman character. But then the third one, we're kind of taken over to Japan and uh, introduced to all new characters. And it takes you a little while to warm up to, um, to to the characters there. And then, you know, there's no Vin, there's no Roman in that. There's not even a, a Paul Walker in that one. Um, so that's kind of like this weird, uh, this weird abstraction of, of the series. And then we get back to, you know, we get sort of back to the original by the fourth one and, and then uh, the fifth one. And so... I, I like the way that uh, Justin Lin has taken the direction of the series um, and the way that he's kind of taken the best elements of the earlier films and brought them all together uh, with what yeah. he's done. Now, that being said, I think that Justin Lin is also on his way to becoming the next Michael Bay <laughs> <laughs> because he's just, you know, he's become, uh, somehow he's become this person who can craft action 
in such an over-the-top way that you go, oh my gosh, that's so ridiculous, but you enjoy every moment of it. But the thing is, unlike unlike Michael Bay, Lin appreciates the the form. Yes, he appreciates you know, the form, and and he and and, how, and and us being able to see the action as opposed to really quick cutting and yeah. just creating that dynamic. He he's interested in letting us see what he's crafted. That, that's true, but but he, I think he also appreciates the the narrative much more than Michael Bay, mm-hmm. and he's taken great pains in getting the script so that we can tie in, you know, all these pieces and parts. Now, if you're somebody who's just coming into the series. You know, you're not going to see these connections. You're not going to care. But somebody who's been with the series from from the beginning, you know, who 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 knows these characters, who knows some of the background, you, you come to appreciate. It's almost like a fan service that he's doing, you know, with mm-hmm. some of the things and and some of the way he tries to tie things in. And you, some of the things don't tie in all that well. But the fact that he's kind of made an effort to get the script to a point to where it says, okay, well, this kind of is because of this thing here, and. You know, I I can appreciate that uh, that he that he's spent the time to do that. Whereas another director would just say, oh, "I'm just going to do my own thing." Um, you know, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna bother with the the, the stuff you know, that's come before or, or come after. I just want to you know I just want to show fast cars and sexy girls. Um, but I'll, and I'll say this about him: he knows how to shoot action, and he knows how to shoot the race sequences. He knows how to use the camera here, and I'm hard pressed to tell you. You know, there are some times when I'm not sure, am I watching a real car or a CGI car? You know, it's the, the, the technology's gotten to the point to where it's very difficult to tell these days. Um, and he knows the kinds of shots he wants. And the thing is, is that we've seen these guys and we've seen them do this stuff before. So it's not really new. It's not really fresh, but it's still exciting. And I still enjoyed it. So... There's that I think that says something about his direction here, um, but there is some stuff here that's just making me oh my gosh, you know physics defying, some of the plot is just stupefying, and you're going really, but you just keep going along for the ride, <laughs> um, you know it's almost like you're in the car and just going okay go faster go faster, <laughs> um, you know all of the crew here gets some moments to shine. In which I like even Paul Walker. I know you don't really have an affinity for his character, but I like his character. I like the way it's developed. You know, he's become part of of Dom's family, and the you know the the, the kind of the the rivalry they started off with that that turned into brotherhood through his relationship with his sister. And you know, this film, it, it, you know, it harps on it a bit too much, perhaps, but it's about family. You yeah, know, and and that's sort of a core idea that they try and utilize here, almost to a point where it's kind of illogical. I think yeah. it's like, oh yeah, everything you do is in the name of family, yeah. but it doesn't really make sense. Um, the, the, yeah, the, to to a point, but I mean that's again, this is this is in in some ways it's kind of like very old school hero versus villain uh, logic in some ways. Yeah, um, but you know, all the crew gets their moments. So depending on who you like in the crew, you'll be. You'll you'll be pleased with what's going on, um, man. The Rock is just looking huge, huge. <laughs> I mean, I he was just buffed out. I mean, he's got another movie out right now that I've wanted to see called Snitch that's playing here in Hong Kong, um, and he doesn't look anywhere near as big, at least in the poster. I don't know. I I haven't been able to get out because the screenings have been quite limited, and I think it's actually going off tomorrow, and I don't think there's a screening that um, that suits my time frame, so I'll have to wait for a video. 
I think the man can just sort of we retract his arm muscles at maybe, will. Maybe, yeah, maybe it's you know, maybe he's like a transformer, you know. Um, but um yeah, he's just and he's really big. Uh, compared especially compared to Vin. I know he was big in the last one, but it seems like he's even bigger this time. Um but you know, Vin's not as pumped up as he's been in the past, but uh still I'm always happy to see him. I'm really excited for the new Riddick film that's coming later this year. And I, you know, I just like Vin. I and I've always liked him. I'll see anything he does, even his directed video stuff. And that's a bias on my part because I know he plays D&D. <laughs> I know that's a stupid, <laughs> stupid reason, but, you know, he kind of grew up playing D&D and he's always loved D&D. And I, I have a sort of a brotherly affection for him. And you have a brotherly affection with Vin and you said, I'm creepy about yes, the Yes, profans. I said it. I said it. Um, but anyway, um, you know, this film does manage to connect uh, the major plot lines, um, especially at the end. There's a there's a, a short credit crawl and you're going to want to stay uh, after that short credit call. They don't wait. They don't make you stay to the end of the credits, which is great because credits are so long these days. And I usually have to go to the bathroom. Um, but, you know, he has a very short credit call, you know, she throws up a few things. And then there's a, an, a the, the cut scene that go the end, the end scene that goes to set up the next film. Um, which is interesting because it, up to now, everything's been a prequel to film three, uh, Tokyo Drift, right? Mm -hmm. And now film seven is going to be... No, don't tell them. No. No? Okay. Well, no. um, anyway, it's all up there on Wikipedia if you really want to know. So there yes. is going to be a film seven. It's already in pre-production. Uh, I think I read they're slated to record in, um... August. The, the, in, yeah, later this summer, and so it's going to be released, I guess, around this time in 2014. This July. Yeah, uh, July is it. Okay, so yeah, a little bit later. Um, so we'll have that to look forward to uh, next year. And, you know, but with this film, I will say there were some moments that were hard to take, okay? Um, there's this tank sequence, which, okay, they're in a tank. <laughs> you, you've got this villain you're trying to get, and he's in a tank. There's an easy solution to taking out a tank, and it's a military solution. And there were, some, there, you know, moments before there were just lots of military guys around, and tanks aren't that fast compared with other, <laughs> with other military vehicles that I can that I can think of. So, but it's pretty furious. It, it's pretty furious. Yeah, it's, it's a <laughs> furious sequence. And there, there's a, there's a, there's another physics and um, human body defying scene that happens in that sequence it just makes you made me roll my eyes but you know still okay whatever well, you're gonna throw that at me justin Lin. okay i'll take it what else you got well he's got a plane sequence at the end with the longest friggin' runway ever i want to know where this <laughs> where this airfield is because this is like where all, all planes should land at this airfield because the runway is just so long um so yeah they're just massively crazy moments but you you overlook them because you like the cast and you know again the like kevin said the cast does have a chemistry so if you if you've liked seeing these guys in the earlier films i think you'll still like them here again the plot just doesn't make sense i mean this thing you know this this uh, this red herring or this MacGuffin or, or whatever it is they're trying to get here you know that's gonna what is it supposed to do it's supposed to like blackout power for 24 hours in an entire country or something, something really just lame and ridiculous. Um, you know, and it's just, it, it's just nonsense to get these guys out on the road and racing and doing all these car stunts. 
they do throw in the, the, the requisite street race that has nothing to do with anything really going on. They work, you know, he works it in kind of nicely and he still, you know, throws in the eye candy, you know, the hot cars, the girls dancing, the, the techno music, it's all there. So if that's the stuff you came in for that was really featured in the early films, you still get a bit of that. This is still Ocean's 12, you know, it's, it's Ocean's 12 on high octane, basically. Um, are they going to continue this with the seventh one? We'll have to wait and see. I am kind of disappointed that it's going to be helmed by a new director. I'm not sure if he'll take it, you know, in the logical direction that it's supposed to go. But maybe, as with the fifth film, it'll take it into, you know, we'll move out of sort of the heist genre and into something else and, and well no it'll still be there because it's, it's chris morgan who is consistent it was the sole writer since i think the second film or the third film yeah so he's going to keep it consistent but i'm worried about how james wan who only who was really known who's whose star i guess breakthrough is being is the co-director of saw yeah um it's how he's going to handle the action yeah he's going to put you know vin diesel in a room with a saw and <laughs> <laughs> that's about it <laughs> but yeah it's a it's a summer film if you like like i said if you like the fifth one there's still a lot to like in this one maybe not quite as good so see it you know it's it's fun all right well there you go i think it's uh time to move on and i'll play this <laughs> You're listening to the East Screen, West Screen podcast. Visit Comcast.com for more. All right, so we got a couple comments to talk about this week. We have an uh, email from a listener named Daniel who wrote in. He said, hi. I listened to your Love and Time review back on episode 133. Uh, you said it was really hard to find any English reviews of the movie of this movie besides on uh, lovehkfilm.com. I found your site through Google Search. Great podcast, and I'm looking forward to listening to your other podcasts whenever I have time. Uh, thank you very much, Daniel. We really appreciate your email and your comments. And he, I, he did send me a follow-up email, and he asked me a very important question about, um, you know, how come I don't have a listing of the films that we've actually looked at sort of episode by episode to make it easy to sort of go back through the archives and, and see, you know, is there a certain film? I know the search on the site's pretty lousy and I have been working on an Excel file to try and do that, but I have to actually go back and basically do it all the way back from episode one. And it's just very time consuming to go back and, and do the data entry. And hopefully I'll get that out my goal would be to get it, you know, finished by the summer or the, by this year at the latest. But that is just just another thing, you know, that uh, takes away from the actual production of the show that I have to deal with. And I know the site's not laid out uh, quite correctly now. Um, we lost the uh, we lost the the stream links to the to the Justin TV page. And we're not actually streaming this episode because I've been informed that Justin TV is now doing interrupt ads while shows are broadcasting, which is one of the reasons we left Ustream. Uh, so that's very annoying. 
but you know i'm it's a work in progress and my coding and my web hacking skills are not all the up to snuff really so it takes me a lot of time uh, to get through that so hopefully you'll bear with me and as the site goes through the you know continuous upgrades and i do plan to get a list out there of all the back episodes and whatnot of what we covered on each episode so that you'll be able to look through that list and find specific movies that if you want to hear us talk about those um he also said that uh yeah he said by the way you guys mentioned a chat room where's the chat room so the chat room was over on justin tv uh on our site sort of our unofficial site we don't have an official justin tv site um and uh, we've used that from time to time probably going to be trying to find a new solution though if they're really going to be throwing up ads because unfortunately our show is not uh is not ready to go pro uh, at, <laughs> at least at their rates uh, i i'd really like to get a, a way for us to broadcast through uh, a google hangout but i can't figure out the sound solution to get uh, to get the sound routed through there i've tried a couple of different software programs so far and none of it's worked um, so maybe I'll be able to figure something out, uh, in the near future, but even that a Google Hangouts right now doesn't have a really dynamic chat either. So, um, you know, I'll try and work on that and, and get some alternative solutions for that going in the future. Um, he also asked, says, uh, do you know of any English forums to discuss Hong Kong movies? Um, you know, any good ones you can recommend? Um, I recommended, of course, the Love HK Film Forum, which still gets some activity um, now and again. Kevin, do you know any other forums? Well, for um, Hong Kong films, not really. I mean, other social media has sort of stepped up, and there's we, you know, me yeah. and and Kozo, we we and Paul yourself, and of course friends of the show, we we always talk on uh, Twitter about about Hong Kong cinema. Yeah. Also, the Love HK Film. Uh, activity has uh, shifted to the love ish film page on facebook yeah facebook's a good place to go also for i know the podcast on fire guys do have yeah. quite a bit of discussion too i think um jacob feltner's um show podcast without honor and humanity gets some discussion over there as well um i've tried to get some discussion going on google plus but it's just not that active There's yeah i of, i've stopped not using... a lot of people over there but definitely, uh, yeah, come to the uh, Love HK Film um, Facebook page, uh, a group. Uh, come join us and, you know, raise a topic. And, uh, you know, me and, and Kozo, uh, otherwise known as Ross, we we're always we're always around to talk about Hong Kong films. I, I'm thinking I may have to join Facebook. <laughs> no, Zuckerberg would not get you. Been trying to avoid it for so long. But there's Zuckerberg. just too much stuff, interesting stuff happening there, unfortunately. <laughs> Um, all right. He says further on, he says, great job again on the podcast. I'm glad I found your site. Um, regularly, I regularly look up movies on lovehkfilm.com and I've also bookmarked your site as well. But, well, thanks very much again, Daniel. We do appreciate Thank you, Dan. um, listenership and the comments that you sent through and the feedback. Um, we do take that seriously. And, uh, again, I'll try and get the site, uh, up to a better grade. Um, hopefully I'll have some time over the summer to work on that. Um, another bit of interesting news that I just got from an email today from a friend of the show and former, um, web host extraordinaire who used to do, who used to have one of the really pinnacle, uh, penultimate sites on the Hong Kong culture and stuff. Um, friend of the show, Sani, 
sent me an email this morning saying that he rented the Blu-ray of Stephen Chow's um, Journey to the West Conquering Demons, and he said it had an audio track for Cantonese and an audio track for Mandarin. Mm. So I posed, I posed this question over to um, Mr. Ma early this morning, and he is, he's gotten out his uh, Sherlock hat, <laughs> and, and he's going he's gonna to get to the root of this matter and, and try and figure out what exactly is going on. And was that a Hong Kong version that, um, that Sandy got a hold of, or was it another version? Please, at best, I'm just Watson's bitch. <laughs> at, on, my, on a good day. Yeah. Just, I already said the S word earlier, and I thought, oh, I could like, go a little, yeah, I could get lo- let loose a little bit. We're yeah. blue this time. Well, as long as it's, <laughs> it's the Lucy Lou Watson, right? And not the uh, Gordon Freeman Watson. <laughs> All right. Uh, I think that's going to wrap it up for our comments. Um, if you would like to be part of the show, as always, you can write to us um, over at the website. Get in touch with us at our website. That is www.concast.com. Uh, you can also drop by iTunes and uh, leave us a message there. We would love to hear from you. And feedback over there does help out the show. Uh, at Twitter, we are twitter.com slash Kongcast. And we usually uh, update the show and, you know, things that are going to go on, especially when we're going to live stream or when we release episodes. So you can follow the show on Twitter for informational updates. If you're interested in finding out movie news, I would urge you to follow, though, uh, Kevin, and he is the Golden Rock. That is twitter.com slash the Golden Rock. That is one word. And, you know, follow him for his exciting life and his adventures to France, you know, uh, and uh, drinking wine and eating cheese and uh, watching films with Andy Lau. The exciting life of Kevin Ma. All right there for you to partake of on Twitter. Uh, so please follow him. If you would like to email us, the email is eastscreen at gmail.com. Again, uh, drop us a line. We'll, you know, if you could comment or question, we'll talk about it here on the show. And if you've got, uh, you know, want to do a short review of something you've seen, a short audio review or a short audio uh, response to us, you know, send a short audio file and we might play it here on the show as well. And as Kevin mentioned, we are on Facebook, facebook.com slash eastswests. Head over there for show updates and to, again, be part of the conversation. Um, uh, you can look me up on Google+. Plus If you are going to be passing through Hong Kong and you would like to come out to one of the uh, movie nights uh, that we have here to watch local Hong Kong films here in Hong Kong, uh, let me know when you're coming through and uh, drop me a line on Google+, Plus and I can get you in the sort of little closed movie group that we have for arranging our events when we go out and watch local movies, usually once a week if there's something new. Uh, catch us on Stitcher. Listen to us on your iPhone, your Android phone, your BlackBerry, and your web, o- web OS phone. It is Stitcher Smart Radio. It's the <clears throat> Find it in your app store or at stitcher.com. Stitcher Smart Radio, it's the smarter way to listen to radio, and we thank them for their support. Um, uh, additional thanks go out to Rob Bowers of Snauzer Studios for our theme Ross Chen of lovehkfilm.com for helping us to organize movie nights here in Hong Kong. The K-Man, back from France, full of <laughs> bread and wine, and for sticking with me all this time, 147 plus episodes, or is it 146? Seven. Seven? Are we on seven? seven? I think it's seven. I think it's six. I don't know. I'll have to check the notes. <laughs> Look at the notes. It says seven. <laughs> Is it? I think I see six. Yeah. Oh yeah, one forty-seven. I forgot to change it there. One hundred and forty-seven plus episodes. 
Seer. Man, that's a lot. <laughs> um, we're going to be approaching our our four-year anniversary, I think, this year. Oh, that's longer than any relationship I've ever had. Oh. Oh. Isn't that <laughs> Um, so yeah thanks to him for sticking with us all this time and of course thanks to you all the listeners for being out there and listening we like doing this show because we know you're out there listening so thanks we appreciate all the support you've given us next show what are we going to be talking about are there any films coming up this week Uh, this week we've got the Peter Chan film but um, you know there are a couple West Screen films that we can check out Um, I don't know which ones they are Yet, mm-hmm. but you know, I could talk more about uh, films that I watch and can't. I guess you know, cause, <laughs> you know, because there's like like seven. Um, but uh, this week is as Peter Chan's American Dream in China, which we already talked about in the previous episode. We haven't watched uh, um, what you call it, um, Great Gatsby. We haven't talked about that. Yeah. Uh, we can also talk about um, geez. When's the next Hong Kong film? Is that Switch or? Kong film uh switch no before that there's wedding invitation starring bye bye her mm. from uh love is not blind and eddie pang so that's a mainland china uh romance romance um yeah so we can talk about that uh for the six all right well whatever it is we'll hopefully have a show coming up very soon and there'll be something we'll talk about whether it's kevin and cons or kevin and hong kong or whatever movies we're going to be looking at between now and then we will have something all of that and much more on our next show. Until then, this is East Screen, West Screen, wishing you good viewing, and we will see you next week. See you next week, everybody. Bonsoir. Wait, au revoir. Oh, 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 oh,